In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. If you think that the recent synod called by Pope Francis is something novel and unprecedented, well, think again. Our first reading at Mass this weekend recounts for us a synod of the early church. It's the Council of Jerusalem, and it was held around 50 AD. The whole thing centered around the question of Gentiles who want to become Christians. Did they have to submit themselves to the Jewish laws, and if so, to what extent? Even circumcision? Paul and Barnabas go up to Jerusalem as delegates of sorts from the church in Antioch to weigh in on this issue. And the vast majority of the weighing in that takes place is omitted from our passage. After hearing from verses 1 and 2 of this chapter, we skip ahead to verse 22 and continue from there. What we miss out on is everyone offering his own two cents, including Peter and ultimately James. What they decide upon is the second portion of our reading. It's a letter that spells out the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us. They decide that Gentiles don't have to submit to circumcision in order to do what is right, although they do list some other necessities. Namely, to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, from blood, from meats of strangled animals, and from unlawful marriage. As you're used to by now, a passage from the book of Revelation is our second reading in this season of Easter. John tells us of a city which comes down out of heaven from God, and it's the holy city, Jerusalem. Earlier in Revelation, John spent three chapters describing another city, Babylon. He wants to contrast these two cities, Babylon and Jerusalem. Sort of like how people will contrast rival cities such as New York and Boston or St. Louis and Chicago. Before, he described Babylon as the great harlot. Now, the New Jerusalem is the bride of the Lamb. John says that an angel, or more specifically, the angel, takes him in spirit to a great high mountain. The same thing happened at the beginning of chapter 17 when he began to see Babylon. Only there, he was described as being brought to the wilderness. John is presenting yet another contrast. The wilderness, where John is brought to see Babylon, is a place of disobedience and temptation throughout the Bible. A mountain, meanwhile, where John is brought to see the New Jerusalem, is a place of God's presence and divine communication throughout the Bible. John describes the heavenly city as having a massive high wall. Walls in the ancient world were meant to keep out enemies, but at this point in Revelation, God's enemies have already been cast out. So why would the holy city still have walls? Well, at the time of John, walls, especially massive high walls, were seen as demonstrations of grandeur and majesty. This city that John sees has 12 gates, three facing north, three south, and, well, you get the picture. That there's an equal amount of gates open to each direction demonstrates the universality of God's kingdom. It's open to all peoples without partiality. But what should most draw our attention about this heavenly Jerusalem is that As John himself says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. Each ancient city had a temple dedicated to the local deity. It was the designated place where the God or gods resided and could be visited. But here in the holy city, God's presence isn't just limited to one place or location. No, he is present throughout the entire city. Life in this heavenly Jerusalem is spent perpetually in God's awe-inspiring presence. Our gospel, once again, is taken from John's Last Supper discourse. Jesus is speaking at the Last Supper to his disciples after Judas has dined and dashed, and as is typical of John, he recounts Jesus spanning a number of different topics in quick succession. Here, 
All in a span of just seven verses, Jesus talks about one, the paraclete to come, two, his gift of peace, and three, his departure to the Father. John really wants to emphasize to his readers that through his passion and death, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. In fact, later in chapter 18, he'll say straight up, Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out. In our Gospel at Mass, too, John really wants us to know that Jesus knows everything that will occur in the future. In Jesus' own words, And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. Let's finish by talking about the role of the advocate, or paraclete, in Greek. Jesus tells us. He says that the advocate will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. The advocate's role is not to teach new things, but rather to keep alive and bring back to mind the teachings that Jesus provided. This word for remember occurs two other times in John's Gospel. In both times, it describes how the disciples didn't understand something at first, but after Jesus had been glorified, they remembered what had happened, and it began to make more sense. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this sixth Sunday of Easter in year C. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.